Well, it is a good morning, but I'd ask you to keep me in prayer today because uh, I played a little racquetball yesterday afternoon with Elder Jim Mitchell, and uh, he about killed me. So uh, I, I've got stiff places that I didn't know could actually hurt today. Been been a while since I've uh, played, and matter of fact, I think the last time I played was when I was here last time. So, uh, you know, when the body doesn't use those muscles, it, it just, that's the way it is with the Bible, isn't it? You know, you, uh, you just need one, it takes you a little bit to get into it, but man, it feels so good once you really get going after you start exercising those muscles a little more, after you keep on going a while. Well, this morning, hopefully we're going to exercise some other places. Uh, our, our opening slide, if we can get that up, uh, I know we've been, apparently there's been a little trouble, Did they, I don't know if they got the new switcher or whatever, but uh, oh yeah, here we go, we'll, we'll get that out. See, I forgot I was told to hurry up and move that thing around. I can't remember all these things. Just too much in the early morning. It looked so dark out this morning. I kept looking at my watch and thinking, did I get up at the right time? You know, is it really, is it really the right time? I had to have on the lights in the room and everything. But anyway, the God who answers by fire, he is God. Up on Mount Carmel, you remember all the prophets of Baal. Everything that's going on. And they said, the God who answers by fire, he is God. Now, Let's look at this God of fire. God cleansed Sodom and Gomorrah by fire. God appeared to Moses as fire in the burning bush. He guided Israel as a pillar of cloud by day and the fire by night. God descended upon Sinai in devouring fire. You remember the, the fire, the smoke that arose off the top of the mountain, scorching the mountain. He delivered the Ten Commandments. The fire of God destroyed Nadab and Abihu because they offered false fire. They offered their own fire, their own devising. Fire destroyed the 250 who stood with Korah, Dathan, and Abiram. Remember that fire that came down and just destroyed them all. Gideon placed an offering to the angel, and the angel consumed it by fire. God answered Elijah by fire consuming everything, lapped up the water, the stones, right down to the dirt, to the dry dirt. And chariots of fire and horses of fire picked up Elijah. The Syrians surrounded Elisha at Dothan. Remember that? The mountains were full of horses and chariots of what? Fire. Jesus baptized, we're told, with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Pentecost, tongues of what? Fire fell upon the disciples. There was a fellow that uh, went out in the Congo, he was doing some exploration and they, they began traveling through the jungles and they would come to their camp, they'd set up camp and they'd start their fire and they'd burn their fire and the next morning he noticed every place they traveled then for a while they noticed all these piles of wood. He said to the guide, what, what is this? What is going on here? Oh, he says, this is all the monkeys. He said, they watch us. They watch us very carefully. They watch us how we start with the tiniest sticks and the smallest things, and then we, we build it larger and larger and larger, he said, with the, the larger wood and the larger chunks of wood. He said, the only thing they're missing is the fire. The only thing they don't have is the fire. What about us? You know, what about us? HMS Richards one time said, some churches are so cold you could skate down the center aisle. I can hear old HMS saying that, you know, talk about a, a preacher's preacher. Churches are so cold we'd skate down the center aisle. Uh, a colleague of mine went to a church 
not long ago. Here he is, a vice president in the general conference. He's at this church. There wasn't a single person who greeted him. Not a single person who greeted him. Not a person who said anything to him. Even after the service, not one single word. And then finally, during potluck, which he attended, someone said, finally spoke to him. Someone said, oh, you know, I just don't understand our church. It just doesn't grow. As the fire of the Spirit dies out, you see in our churches, ritualism enthusiastically replaces it. You realize that? When the fire of God dies out in the church, ritualism takes over. Happily takes over. Wonderfully takes over. It loves to take over. If the Holy Spirit was removed from your church today or from your life, would you or anybody else be able to tell the difference? What do you think? I just want to pause to give that real special time to soak in, to to think about that. If the Holy Spirit was removed, would anybody be able to tell the difference? A study of Pentecost will reveal that there is a startling contrast between the promise of power and in the church of today. Now, Jesus wept, we're told, at Bethany. Jesus wept overlooking Jerusalem. And Jesus wept in the Garden of Gethsemane for us, for the world. Do God's people weep today? Do we weep today? Ezekiel says, And the Lord said unto him, Go through the midst of the city, through the midst of Jerusalem, and set a mark upon the foreheads of the men that sigh and cry for all the abominations done thereof. Are we sighing and crying today for the things we see happening in our beloved church? Really sighing and crying. Do we get down on our knees and say, Oh God, please help us, forgive us. Lord, please help this situation. What's going on? Do we sigh and do we cry? Because those are the ones, those are the people God says, Hey, put a mark upon them to save them because they're my people, they're my children. They, they have become one with me in their desire for salvation of everyone. When was the last time you wept for souls? We need the fire of God in our churches and in our lives immediately. Immediately. The fire of God immediately in our lives to change us, to transform us, to get us out of this coldness that we find ourselves locked in so many times in this day and age. And brothers and sisters, the Lord's coming is so soon. It is even at the doors. And are we ready? Are we prepared? I think not. I think not. The Pentecostal gift of the Spirit is a gift of a God-possessed personality. It turns ordinary persons into extraordinary personalities. God wants you to be an extraordinary personality. Not just someone wandering around here on planet earth putting in time. But he has designs for you to be an extraordinary personality. Oh my Father, reveal within me what it means lest I sin against thee by saying it and not living it. We can say it, brothers and sisters, but not live it. We can look like it, but not be it. We can be in the church and not be saved. 
our name on the church books do not put us in heaven. Our united, loving friendship with our God and our Maker is what get us there. Jeremiah 23, 29 says, Is not my word like a fire, saith the Lord, and like a hammer that breaketh the rock in pieces? What is the work of fire? Hebrews said, For our God is a consuming fire. What does that mean? What, what is that situation? In all who will submit to His power, we are told the Spirit of God will consume sin. The Holy Spirit comes into the life. It's like this, this mighty fire, this, this I, I don't know what you could say, how many, how many uh, candle power it is, but this, this mighty light, this billions and billions of candle power light that comes shining into your life. And every place it finds sin, it burns up sin. Realize righteousness and sin cannot live in the same space. That's why God the Father had to turn away from His Son. When Jesus became sin for us, He couldn't be in the same area. He had to turn away, had to shroud Himself. And you invite God into your life. The Holy Spirit, the Spirit of fire comes in. And as you give God entrance to each corner of your life, that light shines in there and burns out sin. It's not you, it's God, but your will. The one that chooses to say, God, please, not my will, but your will be done as you open your life to God. Then God comes in and takes care of the sin. If men cling to sin, they become identified with it. Then the glory of God which destroys sin must destroy them. You realize that's a situation. That's a situation when at the second coming, we'll talk about that a little later. If we cling to sin... Righteousness simply has to burn up sin. The fire of God, which is a consuming fire, must automatically burn up the sin and the sinner thereby. So it behooves us to allow God in now so He can eradicate the sin in our life. So when He comes, we can say, Lo, this is our God. We have waited for Him and He's going to save us. Isaiah 4.4, when the Lord shall have washed away the filth of the daughters of Zion and shall have purged the blood of Jerusalem from the midst thereof by the spirit of judgment and by the what? The spirit of burning. By the spirit of burning. That's how he's going to purge us. By the spirit of burning. I indeed baptize you with water, Jesus said, unto repentance. But he, I mean, uh, John the Baptist, but he, Jesus, that cometh after me is mightier than I. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. And with fire. The fire that cleanses, the fire that purges, the fire that transforms. And being assembled together with them in Acts chapter 1 verse 4, Jesus commended them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father. Wait for the promise of the Father. Ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. The power of fire. And ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem, in Judea, in all Samaria, and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. The Holy Spirit was and is essential to the life of the church and to the completion of its mission. Without this Holy Spirit, we have nothing. Without the Spirit of God, there is nothing. We must have the Holy Spirit in our lives. We must, we must, we must. There is no 
getting around it. No Holy Spirit, no drive, no ambition, no cleansing, no fire. There's just nothing without the Holy Spirit. The indwelling Spirit brings the mind of Christ to the pleading soul. The indwelling Spirit provides deliverance from sin, not in sin, from sin. Awakens people to life, energizes us through the power of God, leads and guides. This is the way. Teaches, provides efficiency and service, brings effectiveness to witnessing. This is what the indwelling Spirit does. Is there anything, any way you can see how we can do without the Spirit? That was a weak one no over here in the corner. No, thank you, thank you. Keep it up over here, sister. Any church that is man-managed instead of God-governed is doomed to failure. A ministry that is college-trained but not spirit-filled works no miracles. The church that multiplies committees and neglects prayer may be fussy, noisy, enterprising, but it labors in vain and spends its strength for naught. It is possible to excel in mechanic but fail in dynamic. There's a superabundance of machinery. What is needed is power. To run an organization needs no God. Man can supply the energy, enterprise, enthusiasm for things human. The real work of the church depends on the power of the Spirit. Brothers and sisters, we need the Holy Spirit more than we ever have. If we are going to go home soon, we need the Holy Spirit. John 15, 5, I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. Without me, ye can do how much? Nothing. We've got to realize we can do nothing without God in our lives. Nothing. Nothing means zero, nada, zilch, whatever you want to say, however you want to say it. We need to understand we can do nothing without God. Nothing that's productive. Nothing that is worthwhile. Nothing that is everlasting. Oh, sure, we can do all the mechanics, just like it says. We can, we can, we can play church. We can play home. We can play family. But if we want anything everlasting, it cannot happen without the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit seeks to abide in each soul it is welcomed as an honored guest. If it is, those who receive it will be made complete in Christ. The good work begun will be finished. The holy thoughts, heavenly affections, and Christ-like actions will take place, will take the place of impure thoughts, perverse sentiments, and rebellious acts. Are you having troubles with any of those and you don't need to raise your hand? Impure thoughts, perverse sentiments, rebellious acts. The Holy Spirit will take care of those when you invite him in. There will be a change in your life. The plant grows by receiving that which God has provided to sustain life. So spiritual growth is attained through cooperation with divine agencies. As the plant takes root in the soil, so we are to take root in Christ. As the plant receives the sunshine, the dew and the rain, so we are to receive the Holy Spirit. Ellen White says, it is so important. Why do we not talk concerning it, pray about it, preach about the Holy Spirit? What's going on? Why do we not yearn and hunger for the Holy Spirit? Brethren, I'll tell you why. Because the devil is, has totally messed us up. We have totally bought into this lie. You know, we can go along with a, with a, 
my hand on the doorknob, a cup of coffee in one hand and out the door and say, God's going to take care of me today. It's a lie. It's a lie. It will not happen. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as fire. And it sat upon each of them. And as they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. Notice it's synonymous. Tongues of fire, Holy Ghost. Fire filling our lives, purging us, cleansing us, cleaning us, giving us power. The power of God. Since this is the means by which we are to receive power, why do we not hunger and thirst for the gift of the Holy Spirit? Why do we not talk of it, pray for it, and preach concerning it? What's going on? Well, we talked about that. The devil has us duped. By the cooperation of the Divine Spirit, the apostles did a work that shook the world. Realize in that short time, Paul says, the whole world has heard the gospel. Why? Because they'd received the fire of the Holy Spirit. To every nation was the gospel carried in a single generation. Not in their own power did the apostles accomplish their mission, but in the power of the living God. The power of God who's the creator God of the universe, who spoke everything into existence. That's the power God offers to us. The Lord is more willing to give the Holy Spirit to those who serve Him than parents are to give good gifts to their children. For the daily baptism of the Spirit, every worker should offer his petition to God. For how often should we do that? Daily. 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 Which means, as Paul says, I die daily. We've got to die daily. We've got to surrender every day in order to allow God to come and live in our lives that day. Choose you this day whom you will serve. Be glad then, you children of Zion, and rejoice in the Lord your God, for He hath given you the former rain moderately, and He will cause to come down to you the rain, the former rain and the latter rain. The Holy Spirit, I mean the the disciples in the early church, they received the former rain. And they told the whole world, The whole world had heard the gospel through the former rain power and we are told we must avail ourselves of the former rain power before we can receive the latter rain. And can you imagine what the latter rain is going to do if the former rain put the gospel out to the whole world, turned the whole world upside down, what is the latter rain going to do? What can the latter rain do in our lives if the disciples did everything... You know, the miracles, I mean, we could talk about miracles. We could talk about transformed lives. Everything that happened was under the ministration of the former rain. And God says, receive all of the former rain. Utilize all the former rain today. And we must receive that before we can receive the latter rain. At no point in our experience can we dispense with the assistance of that which enables us to make the first start. The blessings received under the former reign are needed, needful to us to the end. Yet, these alone will not suffice. Without the latter rain, to fill out the ears and ripen the grain, and the harvest will not be ready for the sickle. You see, we've got to have both. But we have to have the former rain first in our lives fully and completely. And that was a total work of transformation. That was a work that, remember, Jesus told Peter, Peter, when you're converted, 
go feed my sheep. One of, he told this to one of the GC fellows there, you know, Peter, when you're converted, go feed my sheep. And then the Holy Spirit came into Peter's life. And then you see a whole transformed Peter. That's what the former rain does. And then, and then God can trust you. And only then can God trust you with the latter rain power. Christ has promised the gift of the Holy Spirit to His church. And the promise belongs to us as much as to the first disciples. There are many who believe and profess to claim the Lord's promise. They talk about Christ and about the Holy Spirit, yet receive no benefit. They do not surrender the soul to be guided and controlled by the divine agencies. What do we not do? Surrender the soul. We cannot use the Holy Spirit. The Spirit is to use us. Huge difference. Big difference. We cannot go along in this life the way we've been going. We cannot stay where we are and go with God. You understand that? We cannot stay where we are and go with God. God wants a change in your life. He wants a change in my life. He wants things totally different. We're supposed to be in this world, but not of this world. We are a different breed. We are a different kind of people. We're people of heaven. We're people from God. And God wants us to begin acting like it. Therefore I say to you, all kinds of sin and blasphemy shall be forgiven men, but the blasphemy against the Holy Spirit shall not be forgiven. You see why? If you don't invite the Holy Spirit in, there's nothing God can do for you. There's nothing God can do for you. Therefore I say to you, whoops, excuse me, down the next one, and grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. You want to be sealed to the day of redemption? You've got to have the Holy Spirit in your life. You've got to pray for the Holy Spirit, yearn for the Holy Spirit. As the deer panteth by the water, so my soul longeth after thee. Does your soul today long to become like God? But you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. The measure of the Holy Spirit we receive will be proportionate to the measure of our desire and the faith exercised for it. How much Holy Spirit do you receive? Hmm. How much of you exercised faith and yearned for it? We can be assured that we shall receive the Holy Spirit if we individually try the experiment of testing God's Word. God's promised it. Have you asked God for it? Have you acted like you want to receive it. Although Christ had begun the promise, had, had given the promise to his disciples that they should receive the Holy Spirit, this did not remove the necessity of what? Prayer. The necessity of prayer. They prayed all the more earnestly. They continued in prayer with one accord. Even though God has promised it, it will not come unless we ask for it and pray for it earnestly. Now, in 1844, we're going to talk about that more in a coming day, but in 1844, God was beginning to pour out the latter rain. He was actually beginning to pour out the latter rain. He wanted to finish the work. And God's people would not. We're told because of Phariseeism and Laodiceanism, He withdrew the latter rain. 
God's people would not follow along and seek that heart change, seek to be totally 100% transformed. 99.99% or whatever it is as the commercial goes does not work for Christians. You're either a Christian or you're not. You're either 100% a Christian or you're not. Now, I'll put a little caveat in here. God is looking for the direction of the life. God is looking for the direction. Billy Graham one time said, I'd rather have one foot out of hell heading toward heaven than one foot out of heaven heading toward hell. God is looking for the direction. What direction are you going? You may have an occasional misdeed, but God is looking for the direction. But these dear people did not choose to be converted and changed, and so God withdrew the Holy Spirit. 1888 to 1903, God again, during every one of those general conference sessions, God begin to pour out his latter rain power. The loud cry begin to go. But the people, the leadership would not be changed. And God again withdrew the Holy Spirit. 2011, what about now? What about today? Are we going to be bemoaning that, oh, what could have been another five, ten years from now? Ellen White saw that, you know, what could have been. In volume, I think it's eight of the testimonies, what could have been. God showed her this, this tremendous revival amongst the leadership. And then all of a sudden, after, after she woke up, realized it wasn't real. It had not happened. It's what could have been. Everyone was seeking forgiveness of one another. They were putting away all of their sins. They were asking God to help them, praying for the Holy Spirit. But it did not happen because of the hardness of their hearts. And so here we are, 2011. What's going to happen in the church today? God is waiting for you and for me. There is not among us that simplicity that there should be. We should come to the Lord just as we are, humbling ourselves before Him and wrestling earnestly until we receive the Holy Spirit. Amen. Wrestling earnestly. Wrestling. You understand? Wrestling. Are, are you hungering so much that you will wrestle with God for the blessing? Amen. That's a prayer that God will answer. Will you not all put on Christ, not lay Him off again, but... Let His Spirit stamp your mind and character. This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Guaranteed. Having problems sinning? Here's the solution. Walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Having trouble with pornography on the internet? Make Jesus Christ your passion. Here is the solution. Invite the Holy Spirit into your life to totally transform you. Then let your imagination dwell on the thought that you are in the presence of Jesus, walking with God, your life hid with Christ in God. Then you will not glorify Satan by imagining yourself weak and helpless. How do we glorify Satan? By imagining ourselves weak and helpless. Oh God, I'm sorry, I committed the same sin again. But with the Holy Spirit in our lives, we can be victorious. You will keep yourselves uplifted in the pure and holy atmosphere. You will receive the Holy Spirit as a comforter, as a sanctifier. You will have a calm, restful spirit in God. You will say, Jesus lives, and because He lives, I live also. He that has the Son has eternal life. Present tense. 
Not may have, might have, someday going to have. He that has the Son has eternal life. Can you say hallelujah? We need to have a no-so religion. But I will triumph in His holy name and come off more than conqueror. That's the assurance God wants each one of us to have in Him. Acts 2.17, And it shall come to pass in the last days, saith the Lord, I will pour out my Spirit upon all flesh. Jesus will walk in our midst. We have now the invitations of mercy to become vessels unto honor. Vessels unto honor. Can you imagine? Vessels unto honor. And then we need not worry about the latter rain. Listen to this now. All we have to do is keep the vessel clean and prepared and right side up for the reception of the heavenly rain and keep praying, let the latter rain come into my vessel. Here's a formula for us right there. Romans 8.26 Likewise the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. No matter how helpless our prayers are, the Holy Spirit takes them and fashions them in the absolute most perfect way, and we will receive answers. For if we live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. For as many as are, what? Led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons and daughters of God. Can we say hallelujah to that? Well, I tell you, we serve a wonderful God. Know ye not that you're the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you. Think, really think about it. I know we, as Adventists, we've talked about it forever. We're the temple of God. But do you really realize it for your own life today, right now? God's temple. God's temple. Your life. To receive God Himself to come live in you. Wow. God is true. His order is perfect. Light and truth will shine forth according to the desire of the soul. How much do you desire it? Oh, that all would hunger and thirst after righteousness, that they may be filled. When the soul long after Christ and seek to become one with Him, then those who are content with the form of godliness exclaim, be careful, be careful, don't go to extremes here. Anybody hear that in your churches? Any place around you? No, no, no. Careful now. We, we don't want to go overboard in all this stuff. No, you know, we don't want to have this... this uh, this crying after sins in the, in the church, you know, and maybe weeping in forgiveness. We don't want to have all those things. Those are just, that's a little too far out here. The devil doesn't want us to get carried away at all. Scarcely can the human mind comprehend the spiritual attainments which can be reached by them as they become partakers of the divine nature. Daily correcting mistakes. How often? daily correcting mistakes and gaining victories, they grow in wise, strong men and women in Christ. You want to gain victory? You want to have daily victories? Correcting mistakes daily? Here it is. We don't do it. We can't do it. This is not a works religion. There is no works involved here. Our only part of this is giving our will to God and saying, God, help me. Help me a sinner. Have mercy on me. And God will answer that prayer. The Holy Spirit will come in, burn out the sin in your life, and transform you. And you will become victorious. The fruit of the Spirit is an affectionate... Now, this I've got to kind of back up. This is a fellow. 
he wrote this little thing, and this is how he said the Daily News would actually talk about this experience. Okay, Samuel Chadwick. The fruit of the Spirit is an affectionate, lovable disposition, a radiant spirit and a cheerful temper, a tranquil mind and a quiet manner, a forbearing patience and provoking circumstances like driving down the highway in the city where I come from. We were just talking about that. I hate these people. Man, they come out on the, the slow lane, go all the way out over the fast lane. There's no traffic in front of them, and they go 40 miles an hour. But if I have the Spirit in my life every moment of every day, I'll take a big breath and relax. It's not Jim Eric, because Jim Eric would like to run over the top of them. <laughs> Sorry. And now I've got that on camera too, right? No. But, but God, will, God will come in and transform us. God will relax me. You know, He'll... he'll, he'll Give me patience under those trying circumstances with people, a sympathetic insight, tactful helpfulness, generous judgment, and a big soul charity, loyalty and reliableness under all circumstances, humility that forgets self in the joy of others, in all things mastered and self-controlled, which is the final mark of perfecting. God wants to perfect us. Be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father in heaven is perfect. All the that there is people in the church who have lied to us, the biggest, the biggest, what do I say? The, the worst problems come from within, brethren. The worst attacks come from within the church. Oh, we can't, we can't be that way. We can't change. Yeah, it's a lie. God says we can. God living on us can do anything He wants to do. And if I give him my life, he can do anything with it he wants to do, and I believe he wants to transform it and change it. How about you? All who wait on the heavenly bridegroom are represented in the parable as slumbering because the Lord delayed his coming. But the wise roused themselves at the message of his reproach and responded to the message. As they took hold of the grace of Christ, their religious experience became what? Vigorous and abundant. They opened their hearts to receive the Holy Spirit by which the love of God was shed abroad in their hearts. Hallelujah, praise God. Unless, listen to this now, unless we are daily advancing in the exemplification of the active Christian virtues, we shall not recognize the manifestation of the Holy Spirit in the latter reign. It may be falling on hearts all around us, but we shall not discern or receive it. Wow. That should make us take notice. That should make us take notice. Because, brethren, I see the Holy Spirit being poured out around the world in mighty ways. God is working on hearts and lives in mighty ways. Some of you may have heard this story, but Max, Max in the Pacific Islands, just an absolute nasty, nasty character. I mean, vile, evil. He just as soon shoot you as look at you, and he did on occasion. Well, the police caught up to Max one day. They threw him in prison. Now, while Max is in prison, he notices that there's a group who meet on Sunday there, and they're actually going to church, and they don't have to work. They don't have to work. If they're going to church, they don't have to work. He said, this is cool. So he went to church on Sunday. But then he noticed there's another group. Well, there's a group that keep the Seventh-day Sabbath. And, and, and he notices they don't have to work either. So Max starts going to church on Sabbath also. So Saturday and Sunday he's going to church, only the problem with Max is he doesn't stay there long enough to really have any of it sink in. He and three buddy or two buddies escape in about three weeks. 
Out he goes. Man, he goes back up to the mountains he knows and loves. And it's, it's the haunt of every vile kind of, kind of person you could find up there. And Max thinks, you know, one day the police are going to catch up to me again. I need some kind of good alibi. Well, he said, Let's, if I become this particular religion, he said, they won't think that's anything because everybody hears that religion. But he said, if I become a Seventh-day Adventist, everybody hates Seventh-day Adventist. He said, they'll think that's real. So he said, okay, I'm a Seventh-day Adventist. And he builds himself a little church, a little chapel, and he puts up on the top of it Seventh-day Adventist. Now, inside, he, he had put a little uh, uh, trap door down there and he dug a hole all the way out and down, all the way down the river. So this was his escape route if the police should come. And it was also a good place to keep all of his automatic weapons, his AK-47 and everything else down there. First Sabbath, first Sabbath, Max is uh, in church and they're thinking, well, what do we do here? Well, there's three of us. Okay, you do Sabbath school and you do youth services and I'll do church. They're thinking, well, something's wrong though. So they go out. Pretty soon they come back and they'd stolen three ties and three Bibles and now they could do church properly. So, they, they do church, and uh, they do this for a few weeks. Well, now, word filters down to the, down to the city, down in the mountains below, and this, there was a big school down there. I won't say what school, but it wasn't an Adventist school, but there was quite a few of our students going there because it was the only school. These students hear about Max and his buddies up in the mountains. They think, hey, let's go up there to church. So, the next Sabbath, they all trump up there and Max is, what, what? He opens the door, and man, here's like 20, 20 young people. What? what who, are, who are you? Well, we've come to do church with you. Oh. Oh, okay, come on in. Well, listen, since you're the visitors, because they didn't have any idea how to do it, you do church. Okay, so the young people carried on church. Well, Max kind of liked that. That wasn't too bad. And the young people came back for a few weeks, and they were doing that. And one Sabbath, Max is sitting there, he and his two buddies, Nobody shows up. Nobody shows up. What, what's going on? Well, word finally comes up that the, the principal of the school down there heard about this. He did not want those students going up there, so he padlocked them into the, into the school. Ooh, this got Max so mad. He opens his trap door. He goes and gets his AK-47. He's, he's blowing off banana clumps, and all of a sudden he stops. Oh. Comes back, he comes back, he takes off his stolen tie, places it by a stolen Bible because he figures he doesn't want to shoot anybody with a tie on. He's going down the mountain. He's looking. Now he comes down to the gate of the school. Big old padlock. He blows off the padlock, opens it up, starts yelling, where are you? Where are you? Well, where's the principal man? He's, he's hiding. You know, he's, he's hiding. He just, he, he's scared to death. And pretty soon Max is all around, where are you? Where are you? And finally he sees the principal. He comes up and he sticks the gun in his chest and says, Where's my congregation? <laughs> and then he says, If you don't release him, I'll t- take it that it's a point of doctrinal dispute. <laughs> He's learning a few things. And then he says, You know, I don't know how you believe. He says, If you believe in hell, he said, But I'm going to tell you what. He said, I'm going to send you there and I'm going to meet you there shortly thereafter. Well, what do you think? You think that principal released the students? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So from then on, Max was doing church. Now, it's really interesting because after a while, that little group up there spawned what's in that area is called a hand church, the main church and five branch Sabbath schools. 
Then the students come to Max one day, he says, Max, let's do an evangelistic meeting. Says, okay, and that, but what's an evangelistic meeting? They explained it to him. He said, sure, sure. They call up the president of the mission. President says, I'm not coming up there. That's too dangerous. No, no, no. The students assured him. They said, no, no, it, it's okay. Max said he will do guard duty for us. <laughs> so finally, the, the mission president comes up, carries on a great evangelistic series, and they begin baptizing people every night. And finally, the final night, Max and his buddies were baptized. And they asked, someone said, well, Max, why, why did you wait till the very last night? Max says, well, you know, he said, I, I didn't think it was right if I had to shoot somebody to guard the meetings, and I'd already been baptized. <laughs> Brothers and sisters, the Holy Spirit makes a difference in lives. The Holy Spirit is transformational. I've, I, was in, I was in India, excuse me, Nepal in this area, the fellow's name was Shiva, Shiva the destroyer God. He was a Hindu. He'd, he'd done all these things in his life, and he said he had no peace. One day he found Jesus Christ. And it was so exciting to him, but the, the whole village, it just, they, they persecuted him so much. He said, I just couldn't take it any longer. He said, I quit. I quit. But he said, I was tuning the BBC News one day, and I came across your program, Adventist World Radio, and I fell in love with Jesus all over again. This time he said it was different because I took the radio programs and I told everybody, family and friends, come, come, listen, listen. And pretty soon he said, and I was there, he built this whole bamboo house and on the second floor was a whole chapel. And every Sabbath now, it, there's so many people that come, they had to start moving the children downstairs because there's so many people that come and worship on the upper level. In that Hindu village now, in that Hindu village that persecuted him so much, there's a big cross of Jesus Christ on the top of that house. The Holy Spirit, brothers and sisters, makes an incredible difference in a life. Amen. Young lady in a country I, I can't mention, but she heard our program. She ran into the bedroom. She climbed under the covers, turned off the light, and listened to the program every night. And soon she fell in love with Jesus, gave her heart to the Lord. The, the Spirit came in and, and totally changed her. And then the Spirit says, tell your father, tell your father. Oh, but Lord, he'll kill me. I can't do that. Tell your father, tell your father. You see, the Holy Spirit will say things that we don't like a lot of times. Because, you know, you can't stay where you are and go with God. Sometimes you want to argue, but Lord, I want to stay right here. This is a comfortable spot. No, no, tell your father. Okay, Lord, I'm willing to die for you. Father, Father, come here. She began talking with the Father, told him the whole story, and she backed up just a little bit. But nothing happened. Father? And then the Father, I believe, got a little grin on his face, says, Honey, I too have been listening to the program, and I was too scared to tell you I accepted Jesus into my life. There is power in the Holy Spirit, brothers and sisters. Power to change everyone in planet Earth. Power to change you and me. But unless the members of God's church today have a living connection with the source of all spiritual growth, they will not be ready for the time of reaping. Unless they keep their lamps trimmed and burning, they will fail of receiving the added grace in the special time of need. 
Near the close of earth's harvest, a special bestowal of spiritual grace is promised to prepare the church for the coming of the Son of Man. This outpouring of the Spirit is likened to the falling of the latter rain. And it is for this added power that Christians are to send their petitions to the Lord of the harvest. We need not worry about the latter rain. All we have to do, remember, this is a quote we did earlier, keep the vessel clean and right side up and prepared for the reception of the heavenly rain. And keep praying, let the latter rain come into my vessel. Feeling our helplessness, we are to improve all opportunities granted us to gain a fuller experience. As the plant takes root in the soil, so we are to take deep root in Christ. As the plant receives the sunshine, the dew, the rain, we are to open our hearts to the Holy Spirit. But who may abide the day of His coming? And who shall stand when He appeareth? For he is like a refiner's fire and like fuller's soap, and he shall sit as a refiner and purifier of silver, and he shall purify the sons of Levi and purge them as gold and silver, and they may offer unto the Lord an offering in righteousness. Notice the text doesn't say God's like a forest fire or God's like an incinerator because, you know, a forest fire does what? A forest fire burns up everything. An incinerator There's nothing left. But it says he's like a refiner's fire. He's like a refiner's fire. One lady read this text in Malachi and she decided she was going to go to a silversmith. She went to the silversmith and begged to know the process of refining silver, which he fully described to her. But sir, she said, do you sit while the work of refining is going on? Oh, yes, madam, replied the silversmith. I must sit with my eyes steadily fixed on the furnace for the time necessary for refining will be exceeded in the slightest degree, the silver will be injured. The lady at once saw the beauty and comfort of this expression. Hmm, he shall sit as a refiner and purifier of silver. Christ sees it's needful to put the children into a furnace. His eye is steadily intent on the work of purifying, and his wisdom and love are both engaged in the best manner for them. Their trials do not come at random. The very hairs of your head are numbered. She thought this was, this was wonderful. Oh, she could see the beauty of this. But then the, as the lady was leaving the shop, the silversmith called her back and said, please, I've forgotten to mention something, that the only way that he knows when the process of purifying is complete is when he sees his own image reflected in the silver. Pretty easy to get the point of that story, isn't it? He's a refiner of silver. Special refiner, with care, with precision, with with joy. You see, he comes into the furnace of affliction. Did we not cast three men into the furnace? The old king said, looking into that furnace, are there not four men? Yes, Jesus comes in with us. He's right there with us. And not even the smell of smoke when we're brought out of that furnace is upon us, but only the lovely image of Jesus Christ. The state of the world is now fast approaching the point when God will say to it, as he did anciently, my spirit shall not always strive with man. In the day of his coming, the last great trumpet is heard, and there is a terrible shaking of earth and heaven. The whole earth, from the loftiest mountains to the deepest mines, will hear. Everything will be penetrated by fire. The tainted atmosphere will be cleansed by fire. When Jesus comes, everything 
will be consumed. And every bondman, every freeman hid themselves in the dens and the rocks of the mountains and said to the mountains and the rocks, Fall on us, hide us from the face of him that sitteth on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of his wrath is come, and who shall be able to stand? Brothers and sisters, will you be one able to stand? Will you be one able to stand? The choice is yours. Fire can be your friend. God wants to enjoy your company for all eternity. In order to do so, you must allow Him to burn away all the impurities now. Now. You see, the reason all these people sigh and cry for the rocks to fall upon them is because they have hung on to all the sin in their lives. They said, we don't want you, Lord. We want to do our own thing. Oh, we want to hang on to this little thing of life. We want to hang on to this. We want to hang on. I'm, I'm having too much fun. And when God comes, God's light is a destroyer to sin. The question is, will you allow God to destroy those impurities in your life now? It'll be a, a far better process. Actually, it can be an enjoyable process as you see yourself growing day by day, as you look back from last year and say, wow, Lord, you have led me thus far. What an incredible journey. Can you say that? Can you look back in your life from last year to today and say, by God's grace, I have grown? If not, if not, it's not too late. Today is the day of salvation. If you hear His voice today, harden not your heart. God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Ask God today, right now, for His Holy Spirit. He will begin the transformation process now in your life. The religion of Christianity is a religion of fire. It is a religion of fire. Brothers and sisters, we are powerless without it, but abundantly powerful with it. Abundantly powerful with it. God wants us to have His fire. Have His fire burning in our lives to change us, to transform us, to, to perish for all eternity, to be with Him, the Creator God of the universe, to sit in His throne with Him, to be a co-regent with Him. Imagine what God has prepared for us because He loves us so much. Do you love Him that much this morning that you're willing to give up what? Paul says it, it's dung. It's dung. My former life was dung. Do you, you, here's the dung. You're willing to give up the dung for everything of God I hope it's an easy choice this morning if you're willing raise your hands with me amen amen let's have a prayer father oh lord what a god you are what a friend you are father i pray today you've seen every upraised hand here you know people in the audience too maybe in other places who are listening or soon will well, see the DVDs, Lord, I pray for them as well, that your Holy Spirit might come into their lives, burn out all the sin and the dross, and perfect them to stand with you on that great and wonderful day when you come in the clouds of glory. Oh, Lord, a destroying fire to all those who turn their back on you, but a loving, wonderful light, a joyful, brilliant light to those who have looked forward to your coming. Fill us this day, I pray, with your Holy Spirit. Help us to walk with you, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen.